Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we'll be joined by Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. He's going to join us to discuss Major League Baseball's Hot Stove League. Free agency is in full swing. We'll discuss which players are the most sought after and how much money those players might command on the open market. We're also going to talk to Maury about the changing of the guard in New York with the Yankees, as Hal Steinbrenner has officially assumed control of the Yankees from his father, George. In segment four, Paul Swangard, he's the managing director of the University of Oregon's Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, will discuss the impact of the allegations this week against Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban regarding insider trading on Wall Street. How might this affect the Mavericks, Cuban standing with the NBA, and his bid for ownership of the Chicago Cubs. We'll discuss in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blogger. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Hey, we are doing a contest. I want you to send me your top 10 sports business stories of 2008. The winner will be sent an Xbox 360 video game. You'll be invited to appear on our year-end show where we unveil our top sports business stories of the year. If you want to email me your stories, you can do so at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by my producer, Bobby Corser. Bobby, uh, disappointed to hear these allegations against Mark Cuban, but he's vigorously defended himself this week and denied the allegations. And, you know, hey, let's not forget you're innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. Absolutely. And we say time and time again on this show, it's how you handle your critics and how you handle the charges when you know the first initial shockwave comes. We've seen other athletes and other pro majority sports owners, you know, just kind of clam up and hide, and it just kind of gives you that false sense, like you know, what, maybe they are guilty of something. But I'm not sure that's the case with Mark Cuban. It has a little bit of deja vu. It kind of reminds me of the Martha Stewart case. The SEC likes to go after high profile people, make an example of them, and say, hey, anyone else thinking about you know insider trading, anything like that. Uh, this is what could happen to you. So maybe it's just a case of them going after another high-profile person, someone who's going to make headlines, and it certainly made headlines this week. Speaking of headlines, we've got headlines coming up next. ESPN and the BCS have a big, big deal that they announced, and the NCAA announced final four sites for 2012 to 2016. We'll tell you where those sites are. That's coming up next on Sports Business Radio. This is 
is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. This is Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, as a result of SEC charges of insider trading, could face civil penalties and restitution that could top $3 million plus interest. The SEC alleged in a civil action that Cuban in 2004 illegally sold his investment, a 6% ownership stake in Mama.com, a search engine company, after learning of a planned stock offering that would reduce the value of the shares. Now, Cuban strongly denied the accusations this week. Bobby, uh, it's an interesting story again, as we said in our first segment. Mark Cuban, a high-profile person. The SEC, like they did with Martha Stewart, they like to go after high-profile people, make examples of them. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Cuban has vigorously defended himself. We saw his lawyers had a statement on blogmaverick.com, his blog this week. But Cuban is one of the more vocal owners in the NBA, and we can't forget that he's also in the mix for purchasing the Chicago Cubs. How will this affect that venture. You know, it's a good point. And people need to realize Cuban made his money in the stock market. He had shares of Real.com, his, you know, the real player whole thing. He sold all that. He sold his company. That's how he made a majority of his money. The thing you have to look out here is where are they getting the documentation from this? Where is the SEC finding this information? You know, we say it does affect his sale of the Cubs. Listen, I'm selling a team. I'm not sure I want to be selling my team to a guy that has possibly would, you know, turn around, give away, you know, sensitive information. And if that's the case, it doesn't look good for Mark, but like I said earlier, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, one of the things I do is I do PR and I help people with crisis management. And I've got to tell you, unfortunately, the way the world works is many times people hear an accusation. They don't stick around for the retraction. They don't stick around to see the person proven innocent. And unfortunately, I think this is going to taint Mark Cuban. Hopefully he will come out of this if he didn't do this and clear his name. If he did do it, then he's going to be punished and uh, you know, who knows what kind of punishment he may face from the NBA, and I would say that his bid for the Cubs is certainly going to be crippled. Our next headline, the 2008 NASCAR season closed last Sunday. Jimmy Johnson cements his legacy with a record-time third straight cup title. He's the first driver to win three straight cup titles since Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough won his three titles in the 1970s under a different scoring system. He accomplished his feat when drivers really scraped together the cash they needed to race, and the champion was the guy on top at the end of the grueling season. Johnson's titles 
have been won in the chase for the championship format in which the 12 drivers with the most points compete over a 10-race sprint to the title. Now, Johnson and his Hendrick Motorsports team have really mastered this system, proving themselves unbeatable in their pursuit of Yarborough's mark. Here's an interesting stat, Bobby. Uh, Johnson has won more than $2 million in the 10 chase races just this year. Yarbrough won a combined $1.63 million over his three championship seasons. So Johnson has made more in 10 races this year than Yarbrough made in three years back in the 70s. You know, this is this ain't your daddy's NASCAR, and, you know, this is now the big business. But, hey, the first we need to congratulate ABC and ESPN for not cutting away and actually showing the Yeah, end nice of the job, race. guys. Yeah, hey, thanks for rebounding. We appreciate that. The fact that Jimmy Johnson has not done this, he has cemented himself as a NASCAR legend. Now, let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, lots of layoffs this week following the end of the NASCAR season. A lot of times the end of the NFL season, NBA season, we see coaches fired. We see DEI has layoffs. Hendrick Motorsports had to get rid of some people. Roush Fenway Racing had layoffs. We are seeing major economy hits in NASCAR. You know, and we talked about that earlier this year when we started to see this whole thing start to spiral downward. You know, we made the point that people aren't going to drive now as far to see their, you know, see the races. People aren't going to take their motorhomes now out to the track. It's just continuation. You know, there was a merger that was announced between DEI and another racing team where they're now going to come together, Chip Ganassi. Again, it's all about who can strength, you know, who can stretch the dollar the farthest. And if you have to lay off some people that are very talented people on your good team and you just won a championship, you know the economy is hurting right now. Our next headline, ESPN this week formally announced it has signed a four-year deal for the rights to the four BCS games currently airing on Fox beginning in January of 2011, marking the first time BCS games will air on cable. The Net also receives the exclusive radio, digital, international, and marketing rights to the games. Per terms of the deal, ESPNU and ESPN Classic will have access to the rebroadcast of past BCS games. The Net will also operate bcsfootball.org. It's the series' official website. Now, ESPN bid $125 million per year over four years to get the games, while sources said Fox's top bid was $100 million per year. Interestingly, Fox reaches 114 million U.S. households compared with 98 million for ESPN. Now, some experts say the deal could enable ESPN to charge higher subscriber fees to cable providers once current contracts expire. It's believed that ESPN right now charges about $2.85 for subscriber fees for cable companies and satellite companies. Bobby, I think this is a good deal. I think the muscle of ESPN, you know, their motto, college football lives here. It just seems like a better fit with ESPN than it was with Fox. I completely agree. I mean, everything on Fox is over the top. You know, it's it's everybody in the industry says it's Foxified. You know, listen, I want to see a college football game. I don't want to see a complete theatrical production, which it is with Fox. And now that ESPN has the BCS, they also have the Rose Bowl. They are now your complete home for bowl championship series stuff. Coming to, you know, 2010. Plus, the biggest factor in this, in my mind, is that Fox doesn't have Aaron Andrews and ESPN does. So, look, from, over. The, from that standpoint, I think everyone's happy. All right, our next headline. The NCAA this week announced the sites for the 2012-2016 Men's Basketball Final Fours. So, the games will be held at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans in 2012, the Georgia Dome in Atlanta in 2013, 
the new Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas in 2014, at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis in 2015, and Reliant Stadium in Houston in 2016. Bids from Detroit, Minneapolis, Phoenix, San Antonio, and St. Louis were turned down. Bobby, all the cities have hosted a Final Four before, but new venues on the list are the new Cowboys Stadium and then Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So all these venues, enormous venues that can house lots of people. And again, there are a lot of people that want to go to the Final Four. So when you're selling a lot of tickets, uh, this is good for the NCAA. Absolutely. It'll be really cool to see it in the new Cowboys Stadium. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how that gets pulled off. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you're the new Cowboys Stadium, you have gotten the All-Star game for the NBA. Now you're getting a Final Four, and you haven't even opened your doors yet. That's pretty good for Jerry Jones and his group. All right, coming up next, Maury Brown from the bizofbaseball.com. Lots going on in the hot stove league. A lot of free agents out there. And the Yankees, George Steinbrenner has stepped aside, and now we see his son Hal. He's going to be taking the reins of the Yankees. We'll talk about that with Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Maury Brown. He is a frequent guest on this show. You can find his work at thebizofbaseball.com. Maury, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Brian, it's always a pleasure. So the Hot Stove League is heating up, uh, free agency uh, very exciting time for a lot of clubs. Some pretty good free agents on the market. Uh, Manny Ramirez, Mark Teixeira, CC Sabathia. Give us a glimpse of where some of these players might wind up and who's going to get the big bucks. Well, I think the first place you got to look is the New York Yankees. I mean, I think all roads lead there right now. Um, they would be a prohibitive favorite in anybody's book with Mike Messina uh, announcing his retirement on Thursday. Um, they're in dire need of pitching. Um, Sabathia has been been granted an offer that would make him the highest-paid pitcher in the league. Um, Hal Steinbrenner, the new controlling partner for the Yankees today, said that uh, that offer would not be on the table forever, so that's, that's looming out there. Um, there's certainly um, other guys. A.J. Burnett is another pitcher that certainly um, is on the, the Yankees' radar. So we can look at those guys and say that they would probably be there. I would not be surprised if an offer might be made to Manny Ramirez. As strange as that sounds to Red Sox Nation, um, that's always going to be a possibility um, with guys like Jason Giambi coming off of the roster. They're going to look for maybe some more power. 
Um, but there are other guys out there. I mean, certainly the other guy that's been talked about a lot has been Jake Peavy of the Padres. Um, there's been talk now that uh, the offers are down to basically the Cubs and the Braves, with the Braves holding a slight edge, although the word is now that uh, the Cubs may actually have a better offer with some better players. And most of these, um, you know, we're looking at some of these are trades. The interesting thing that we're seeing early on is that we're seeing a lot of trades as opposed to straight signings of free agents. And I think that has a lot to do with the economy and where things are kind of going. There's a lot of, you know, feeling the market out right now. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, uh, Mark Teixeira, another big-ticket mm-hmm. free agent. How much is the economy going to affect uh, how much these players make? I mean, we see Scott Boris come out a few weeks ago and talk about how he's going to need to negotiate uh, more money for his players because of the hit that they may take in the economy. Yeah, and I mean, I think what you're going to see is that the, the salaries are still going to be there for the you know the top players, the very – you know, top talent is going to garner the highest uh, salaries out there. And I don't think that's going to change. But the thing that we're going to see is they're going to be from large revenue-making markets. So it's going to be the New York markets. You know, it's going to be the Mets and the Yankees. It's going to be, you know, the Angels, Dodgers, uh, the Cubs. You know, you can certainly look to the usual suspects for that. But, you know, the days of seeing like a $55 million deal for Gil Mesh out of uh, the Royals right now, that doesn't seem like something that's going to be happening very often, although Milwaukee has put a substantial $100 million offer out there to try and retain Sabathia. Um, the Yankees walked in and basically overshot that by a considerable margin. So it really is going to influence things. It's really going to have be something that's on everybody's mind. Um, as an example, Paul Volcker, uh, the former Federal Reserve chair, talked to the 30 owners on Thursday as part of the quarterly meetings and talk about the economy with them. So that was an invitation by Commissioner Selig. It has a lot of resonance going on right now. Selig is warning the owners, don't get too cocky with your ticket pricing. Don't get too crazy in the free agency market. Um, as one executive said to me, you know, uh, free agency is kind of like the weather. We're hoping for, you know, bright sunshine, but we're preparing for rain. So uh, a lot of things could happen over the months. Free agency could be influenced later in the year as opposed to early on. Let me ask you this, Maury. I mean, we know the Mets and Yankees are moving into new ballparks. The Yankees, for example, had a payroll over $200 million last year. Because they're moving into this over $1 billion ballpark, how much more money are they going to have to spend on payroll? Well, they'll have quite a lot. And I mean, how much that is, that really is dependent on the Yankees. And the Yankees have pulled back a little bit, you know, in, in Yankee terms from you know, from compared to everybody else, it seems like an exorbitant amount. But for the Yankees, they've actually throttled back a little bit in the past couple of years. But this year, I think that they're going to go wide open. They do have a lot of revenues coming in to the, with the new ballpark. Um, they have been, you know, on they missed the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Um, they're they're going to be active. They're going to be extremely active. Um, there's been movement, you know, with with family members taking over. George Steinbrenner stepping down. It's a historical moment on Thursday. So I think that they could, you know, easily they're going to easily have more than they did last year. How much more is probably an open debate depending on where the market moves in the free agency. Yeah, let's talk about the switch from George Steinbrenner to Hal Steinbrenner. It's no secret that George is getting up there in age. He's his health hasn't been the greatest. Hal has definitely been front and center for at least the last year or so. 
Uh, what are the biggest differences that we're going to see with the Yankees under Hal Steinbrenner as opposed to George Steinbrenner? Well, the one thing that seems to stand out is that Hank Steinbrenner, the elder son, has been the more vocal. He's been involved in the baseball operations sides, while Hal has been very quietly basically running the Yankees from the front office perspective. So he doesn't seem to be as flamboyant as George was, and Hank seems to kind of embody that. And I think that that's what we're going to kind of see moving forward, as opposed to having where George uh, was definitely, you know, the firebrand of the of of the Yankees and front and center with a lot of the controversy. I think that the controversy is probably going to be more centered around uh, comments from Hank than from Hal. So that I think is going to be a primary difference. Um, he seems to be less uh, of a, uh, I, I guess, excitable character, if you want to call it than George George Steinbrenner was in Hank. So that, I think, is going to be the key difference. Pretty amazing legacy that uh, George Steinbrenner has left. I mean, you look at what he purchased the club for and, you know, some of the things that he's done for that uh, franchise, it's amazing. Well, I mean, the biggest thing, you know, that I think a lot of people fail to realize with George Steinbrenner, you know, there was a lot of negative talk about what he did, but let's face it, I mean, with all the revenues that he made, he poured every cent of it back into the Yankees. I mean, maybe not every cent, but a considerable portion of the monies that were made are being poured back in, and that means that he was highly competitive um, and really drove the Yankee brand forward and made it a huge player on the world scene. It's one of the most recognizable brands in the world, and so if it not had not been for George Steinbrenner, I don't think we would have seen the movement that we did. At the time that he purchased the Yankees, CBS had definitely not been running the club well. Um, he took it and turned it around and turned it into a major juggernaut. I'm joined by Maury Brown. You can find him at thebizofbaseball.com. Maury, uh, let's talk about the latest on the sale of the Cubs. What is going on with the Cubs? I mean, we talk about a poor economy. It seems like that's really stalled this sale. Oh, it's it's impacted in, in immeasurably. Um, you know, it was a deal to where Sam Zell wanted to retain a 5% ownership stake to try and basically um, do a uh, tax avoidance issue, basically get out of the capital gains tax. And now it looks like they're going to have to retain about 50% of the Cubs. Um, Mark Cuban appears to not be involved now in the process. It looks like it's been uh, over a month since he's been involved in it. It's down to four bidders now. Um, their bids are due in by December 1st, which really kind of highlights how badly they want to get this deal done. They initially had pushed for Thanksgiving Day, which seems almost impossible given how the credit markets are right now. And that's influencing the deal in a big way. It's a very debt-laden deal. And with that and the way the credit markets are right now, it's just exceptionally difficult right now for these bidders to come up with the money that they're going to try and have to come up with which at one point looked like about a billion dollars, but it looks like it's going to be on the south side of that now. Still, you know, it's probably going to be an incredible deal at the uh, at the end of the day, whoever purchases the club. Who's the favorite to land the Cubs? I know we've talked a lot about John Canning Jr. before. Is he the guy? No, I think right now it's looking more like the Ricketts family right now. Um, Canning had made his bid, and there's been a lot of talk that he's been in the background. Um, his name hasn't officially been rolled out there, but there's been word that he is somehow still in the mix. Um, that hasn't been verified um, from from my sources. The the word has been that the Ricketts family has been uh, the ones that have kind of surfaced a little bit. They have good uh, close ties to Chicago, not as tight as Canning, 
But really, Brian, it's a very difficult thing to figure out right now. It's a moving target based on the economy. You know, as it continues to slip and slide and move around, it seems like every day there's a new variable involved with it. And I don't think until the day that the deal is done we're going to fully know who the, the owner is. Will Wrigley Field be part of the deal? Yeah, it looks like the, the whole package is going to be rolled together. It's going to be the Cubs, Wrigley Field, and a 25% stake in Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. So those are the three elements that are involved. And they, they at one time, were talking about decoupling them and selling Wrigley Field off by itself. looks like it's going to be a package deal now. I think that's the right way to do it. it it certainly is. I mean, it certainly is the best deal for the owners. I mean, if they really wanted to get owners to back away from the deal, that would have been one way to do it. But with the way the economy has been, I think that uh, Sam Zell and Tribune has realized that if they don't roll it all together, it's just going to create problems for them in the long run. Maury, just a few minutes left. Uh, Major League Baseball TV launches after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, we've seen the struggles that the NFL Network has had with getting widespread distribution. But I think Major League Baseball, from what I read, they're going to launch to a much bigger audience, a bigger audience than the NFL Network has right now. Well, it'll be the largest cable channel launch in history at 50 million households. Uh, Major League Baseball was exceptionally smart in that they made uh, MLB Network part of their MLB Extra Innings package when that deal came up for renegotiation. So DirecTV, uh, you know, we had all of the large carriers, Time Warner, Cox, they're all on board. And I know that the, uh, the network and the league are continuing to look for even more carriers to even give it a broader audience. Um, it's going to start off with 26 games a year. They're looking at either Sundays or Thursdays for the games. Um, it's really going to be something. There's going to be a lot of historical footage. I know that one thing that they're going to do, they're going to show for the first time um, Don Larson's perfect uh, World Series game. They're going to show it in almost its entirety. Um, Harold Reynolds has been brought on. Hazel May has been brought on. The the on-air staff is almost all fleshed out. It's really going to be something. I had heard some rumors that Bob Costas may uh, join the network. Uh, anything to that? Well, you know, that has, that was something that had surfaced a while ago. There hasn't been anything else out there. But, I mean, certainly Bob would be a great addition to any network. He's a fantastic baseball guy um, and, and has been sorely missed, in my opinion, um, on the broadcast side of things. I think he would be a fantastic addition and a real feather in the cap for, a, you know, a fledgling network. Well, more you're going to be at the Winter League baseball meetings in Las Vegas. We'll have to definitely catch up with you and uh, get the latest from those meetings. Keep up the great work. Maury Brown, the biz of baseball.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere. 
and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, thanks for taking the time to join us this month. Always great to be on. Thanks, Brian. So, Paul, Mark Cuban. You know, I, I like Mark Cuban a lot. He's been on this show. I think he brings passion and uh, innovation and uh, just a lot of things to the Dallas Mavericks, to the NBA, to many projects that he touches. But this week, uh, boy, bad news for him. Uh, anytime you mention your name and insider trading in the same sentence, it's not a good thing. How is this going to affect his reputation and maybe his standing in the NBA? And then we can talk a little bit about what this may mean to his uh, bid for the Cubs. Well, I, I, th- I think for the most part, his and, and you being a, a PR professional know that you know the, the sometimes the best defense is a good offense, and, and in his case, he's using the the direct forum he has with uh, Blog Maverick to to at least put out there kind of his his defense of, of what went on and, and doing it obviously through his attorneys. I, you know, I, th- I think for, for most people, it's, you know, maybe not the biggest, you know, news item, it, you know, maybe the, the layman who doesn't take the time to learn more about the context of what's really going on might, uh, you know, fall out of uh, favor in terms of liking Mark Cuban. But, you know, I, I give him credit for uh, taking a proactive approach to trying to explain, you know, his side of the story. And uh, sounds like he's going to be pretty aggressive in, uh, in in responding to this suit. And, um, you know, I, I would like to think that maybe what we'll find at the end of this process is that, uh, you know, maybe this was the case of, of an overzealous prosecutor who was looking for a reason to drag uh, Cuban into uh uh, a pretty nasty story with this uh, Mama.com. Yeah, I mean, we need to remember that in this world it should be innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, Mark Cuban, uh, he's got these allegations against him, but let's let all the facts unfold and uh, see where those go. And, and I agree with you as a, a PR person. I think that he is uh, using the right approach. And, you know, if you're not guilty of something, if you're transparent and uh, you vigorously defend yourself, then, uh, you know, that's always been my problem with uh, the Roger Clemenses and the Mark McGuire's of the world, that when you're accused of something, if you're not transparent and you act like you have something to hide and you're not forthcoming, then you look guilty. Mark Cuban right now, to me, he may be guilty, but he's certainly not acting like it, and he's vigorously defending himself. Yeah, I mean, you know, silence is deadly in, in most cases, and, and that's true for, you know, endorsed athletes as well as, in this case, you know, owners of teams. And, you know, Mark, you know, has been transparent in almost everything he's done. I mean, you look back and he's been, you know, freely admitting that, uh, you know, the way in which he paid his way through college at Indiana included uh, everything from uh, something that that loosely veiled a a pyramid scheme to teaching, you know, disco dancing lessons at sororities. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's been, you know, pretty aggressive in the way he's approached his business dealings. And, uh, you know, living on the edge puts you in a position where sometimes stuff like this happens, and, and at least he's going through the process of trying to defend himself as vigorously as possible. If you're NBA Commissioner David Stern, uh, what do you do right now with this? Do you just let it kind of uh, simmer and see how it unfolds, or do you uh, take any kind of action? I don't think you can take any action now. Uh, you know, you you got, you got to let the, the process unfold. I'm, I'm sure there's some dialogue um, you know, outside of the public domain, where at least uh, the league is getting some understanding of the facts, and 
you know, I, I wouldn't even think it would warrant, uh, you know, depending on what happens and, uh, you know, in, in, in what happens with the case, whether they would ask him to step away from ownership for a time just to deal with this legal issue for, for what I think the issue is. I think we'll probably just see this run its course and uh, everything will move forward. How does this affect his uh, pursuit of the Chicago Cubs? Obviously, you know, there are a lot of people that said, look, Mark Cuban doesn't have a chance anyways because uh, the Major League Baseball owners that are there wouldn't approve Mark Cuban. He's too brash. He's too outspoken. Does this uh, really kind of uh, cripple his effort? Well, I mean, in in some ways, it actually may give uh, baseball or the or the people who are are in the position to sell the Cubs the the excuse that they need to not choose you know his bid. Fact of the matter is, I, I don't think baseball wants Mark Cuban. I think they're scared of what. Uh, his type of ownership represents, which is kind of ironic because I think the approach he took to the Dallas Mavericks and uh, the success and the turnaround that that franchise uh, was able to um, enjoy under his leadership is something that, you know, could be of value to, you know, baseball. I think baseball still, you know, needs to, you know, maybe grow up a little bit, get more sophisticated in, in bringing in the type of ownership that can think more creatively in the in the marketing of the sport and, and helping some of these teams that are, uh, you know, still looking for, you know, success on the field and success uh, in their business to think creatively. There's some, you know, obvious examples of those teams around the league, but I think there's plenty of uh, undervalued assets, and I think the Cubs represent, you know, what could be the next Boston Red Sox, and I think a guy like Mark Cuban would have the aggressive approach to maybe take that franchise and the places and the, and the path it needs to go. Couldn't agree with you more, but it all makes way too much sense. So that means the geniuses in Major League Baseball will probably uh, nix it. It's an old guard, yep. Yeah, it sure is. My guest is Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. You can visit warsawcenter.com for more information on their program. Uh, Paul, big deal this week with ESPN and the BCS. So starting in 2011... Uh, ESPN will have the BCS games. I guess they're going to pay about $125 million a year. And uh, what does this mean for the BCS and and ESPN? It's really kind of a shift. We're seeing a huge property move to pay TV. Well, and I think what we we need to do is take a step back and and think about what this represents. And and to me, it really is a validation. and, and, And you and I both know Commissioner Stern pretty well. When when David Stern chose to take the NBA away from the broadcast network model on NBC and move to cable with TNT and ESPN, the league was ridiculed at the time at saying a shift to cable was going to be the death nail of that sport. And I think that this announcement is another validation that David knew that uh, the cable model was reaching mainstream acceptance and and for those who don't follow the kind of the economics of of sports television you have to respect and understand that with about 86 percent of u.s households now being um, cable households there really isn't a discernible difference between the cable world and the network world and the fundamental economic difference is is that cable enjoys a dual revenue stream. So not only do they get the benefit of what network television gets, which is selling advertising based on the number of viewers that you have, but in addition to the to that model, cable enjoys 
um, a subscriber economic model. So for every subscriber of cable, ESPN's receiving, you know, in some cases, two to three dollars on every person's cable bill going directly to them. So the ep- economics makes sense for cable to go out and pay the kind of sums of money to these properties for the rights. And so to see in what we're seeing now is a very challenged economic environment, a hundred million dollar increase over what Fox was going to bid on the same package really is a testament to, you know, cable, you know, television really being the way that the rights fees that we've seen continue to increase over the years will continue to increase. Now, you bring up a really good point about the dual revenue streams. Uh, from what I researched this week, it looks like ESPN makes about $2.85 per subscriber on cable and satellite. So you would think with a deal like this, it's giving them more uh, unique programming and programming that's going to be in demand. We might see that fee go up even more. That's where some subscribers may have a problem. But you know, I totally agree with you that 86% of households have Cable and satellite in the days I wrote about this on my blog this week. People need to get over it. The days of people saying, oh, you know, it's on ESPN or TNT or TBS. I can't find it. That's ridiculous because it's on the basic tier of most cable systems. Yeah, well, and, and think about the – and this is a little bit about also, uh, you know, continuing to, to account for that missing 14%. So they were saying that, you know, in some cases like the state of Texas, the penetration rate of cable is, is much lower than that national average of 86%. Well, you think about the, the power of college football in a state like Texas – you know, it becomes a potential tool to move a lot of people in a market like Texas on the cable and in ESPN for every incremental subscriber that they can get on cable. Um, they they will stand to benefit on a transactional basis, not only that $2.85 a month when college football is in session, but, you know, the, the eight or nine months out of the year when there's not college football on, those people are probably still being college football um, fans staying on cable. It just becomes a way to, you know, move that penetration up even higher. Well, and the other thing about ESPN, you know, and we've seen this with Monday Night Football since it's gone from ABC to ESPN, is ESPN has so many different platforms. They've got ESPN.com, you've got ESPN Radio, you've got ESPN 360. I mean, when ESPN puts their muscle behind something – it really is unparalleled, and, and I don't think Fox or anyone else can offer that kind of muscle. So I think if you're the BCS, going with ESPN and all their different platforms is really a smart choice. Well, and there's also, you know, we kind of talk about the brand and the, and the authenticity of the, of the ESPN brand as it relates to college football. Well, you could make the argument that Fox Sports in its regional sports network domain does have an authentic connection to the world of college football, fact of the matter is Fox Network TV is not college football. It's the NFL, it's NASCAR, it's Major League Baseball, and they they were really kind of coming late to the party and just showing these football games, and there really wasn't an authentic connection between um, the Fox TV brand and college football. When you move to ESPN and with the Rose Bowl on ABC, um, there's a clear authenticity. It strengthens the brand association with the broadcast partner in the sport of college football, and I think it just is a, you know, it's a match made for uh, for these two properties to be given uh, the chance to work together. ESPN's, you know, brand statement as it relates to college football is college football lives here, and it now lives there not only from the beginning of the season all the way now to the uh, conclusion of it. 
Got a few minutes left with Paul Swangard, the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Paul, uh, you're there on the University of Oregon campus in Eugene, Oregon, and we learned this week that the the most expensive basketball arena in college sports history is going to be constructed there in Eugene. Uh, tell us about that project, because I know it's been a long time in the making. It has. You know, the University of Oregon has played uh, its basketball games at historic MacArthur Court, also known as the Pit, and uh, have have been working diligently on trying to find uh, a way to replace that uh, venerable old facility. And now they will have a project that will probably break ground in the next uh, week or two uh, with the permitting process underway for something that will run in the neighborhood of about $250 million, um, a facility that is largely driven by a a very symbolic uh, gift of $100 million from Phil and Penny Knight, the founder, uh, of course, of, of Nike fame. And, you know, the the, the university has gone through a, an interesting process. Uh, you know, this is an institution like many others that has begun to invest quite heavily uh, in their athletic department as a means to raise the visibility of the institution. And, uh, and this facility will kind of uh, put another, you know, big stamp on uh, what, you know, the University of Oregon can can bring to the table in terms of national visibility. They're talking about hosting, you know, NCAA regionals. They're talking about hosting a, a major college, uh, you know, holiday tournament. And, and, you know, the football program, obviously, through things like Times Square posters of Heisman Trophy candidates and uh, what seems to be a weekly redesign of their uniform has uh, done a pretty good job of uh, of getting into the national consciousness as it relates to at least a brand that people are aware of, and this and this uh, new facility will certainly go a long way to uh, continuing to raise the vis- visibility of the program. You know, I wrote on my blog this week really some major announcements in college sports. I mean, between the the ESPN BCS deal. Uh, we found out where the final four sites are going to be for the next few years. Uh, this deal, I mean, anyone who thinks that college sports isn't big business wasn't paying attention to the headlines this week. Yeah, and it still remains a very interesting sector for a lot of reasons. I think the other story, you know, for people who want to be uh, enlightened fans and followers of college sports, there was a great piece that was done in USA Today this week looking at uh, a, a new tension that exists. So, you know, the NCAA is really trying to um, crack down on schools and making sure that their student-athletes graduate um, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a fair number of years and, and will actually go so far as to penalize universities, athletic departments, by reducing scholarships if those um, – APR rates, those graduation rates aren't met, and USA Today looked at the, you know, the 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 cause and effect of, well, with that, with that being held as an accountability for athletic departments, some schools have begun to shift student athletes into degree programs that are, quite honestly, easier for them to stay in and graduate from, and it's the. You know, it's the idea of, you know, are these student-athletes here for a college education? Are, are we giving them the chance to study those subjects that they're really, you know, wanting to do? Are they studying classes that are, um, you know, putting in the position, if they don't get into the professional ranks, they'll have a, a way to be employed after they graduate? So there's, you know, there's some huge looming issues, um, you know, and, and just the power of, uh, of college sports is, is, is never been greater, and yet there are still so many issues underneath the surface that are uh, still, uh, you know, still at the source of uh, angst and anxiety for college presidents and athletic directors around the country. Well, Paul, always good to uh, talk sports business with you. Thanks for catching up with us this, this month. Again, 
Visit the Warsaw Center at warsawcenter.com. Paul, uh, thanks, and we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment, Mark Burnett Productions, better known as the production company for the TV show Survivor and production company Maloof Television, which is owned by NBA Kings owners the Maloof family, are teaming to produce a new reality series following the Sacramento Kings, according to The Hollywood Reporter this week. The series is titled Rebuilding the Kingdom and will follow the franchise as it undergoes an overhaul to regain some winning traction. The production will follow the players and coaches and the unique challenges in running an NBA team. The show will likely focus on the business side of the Kings' operations. While it will include segments on both players and coaches, the intent is for the show not to be driven by them, which is what will set it apart from HBO's Hard Knock series. This year it featured the Dallas Cowboys. I like that Hard Knock series, and... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how Mark Burnett Productions and Maloof TV team up on this effort. Thank yous this week. Our guests, Paul Swangard and Maury Brown. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. And, of course, our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Don't forget, we're having a contest. I want you to send me your top 10 sports business stories of 2008. Email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Winner gets an Xbox 360 game, and you get to appear with us on our final show of the year. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Have a great week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.